0: This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to another episode of the Worth the Funding podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. If you are a beauty entrepreneur, this is the episode for you. And if you're not, keep listening. Anyway, there's plenty here for you as well. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kendra Bracken Ferguson, an internationally acclaimed thought leader in demand for her strategic vision and attention to brands that want to grow to scale quickly and sustainably. She is a sought after speaker and C-suite board advising powerhouse. Kendra's ecosystem of leadership is rooted in her global conglomerate, Braintrust, where she is the founder, CEO, and general partner. Braintrust is an award-winning, Global force created by Kendra in 2015. It was the first of her suite of Braintrust enterprises, leading to her founding Braintrust Founder Studio in 2021. Now, the largest dedicated platform to Black founders of beauty and wellness companies that has not only changed the face of beauty, but also empowered Black business owners to enter the room and sit at the tables of capital and wealth generation. She is also a general partner in the adjacent $25 million brain trust fund dedicated to investing in breakthrough black-led brands that serve the majority. We discussed what led her to working in the beauty space, how she pioneered monetizing influencer-driven beauty brands, her Business of the Beat podcast, and why she started the Brain Trust Fund to invest in Black beauty brands to help them scale. Kendra, welcome to the WTF Podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This is such a fun topic. I'm just thrilled to share.
0: It's been a long time and I'm so glad that we're finally able to catch up and have this conversation. You are in the beauty space. I had another episode earlier with the Black Beauty Collective. Leslie Robeson just opened a Black Beauty store in Hyde Park in Chicago. And I really enjoyed my conversation with her, talking about her passion and bringing all of these Black women, mostly in the beauty space, together and creating this collective so that they can collectively thrive and get that feature for their products and all of that. So I know you are in this space. You're also a podcaster yourself. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about how you got started in the beauty space. What was your journey?
1: And I absolutely love Black Beauty Collective. I was like, can I get to Hyde Park to go to the store opening? I was like, I'm trying to get there. So my journey started in beauty. And it's interesting because I started my career in PR at Fleischman Hillard, one of the largest PR agencies in the world, which was by design. I knew in sixth grade that I wanted to do
0: PR and then I wanted to work for one of the largest agencies. Hold up. I did not know anything in the sixth grade. I am questioning whether I know anything about what I truly want to be when I grew up now. And in the sixth grade, you had this much clarity.
1: Oh my God. I'm like, well, you, you are special. It, and it's crazy because my mom would always be like, just chill. It was like when I was in I remember being so nervous about elementary school. And when I was in elementary school, like being nervous about middle school and middle school being Mm -hmm. high school, like I was always just ready to do it and thinking about what was going to come next. And it stayed true. Like, I know I learned later, that I'm I wanted to do PR. I went to school for PR. I got a major in PR. I graduated and worked in PR. And even now, it may not be the traditional function of PR. But it's all steeped in storytelling and it's all steeped in content and really helping to amplify brands and build community. And PR is the biggest form of storytelling that exists.
0: This is a great segue to tell you about the PR University. Are you struggling to connect with your audience? If so, you may have a messaging problem. The PR University can help you fix that. If content is king, Strategic positioning is queen. Getting your messaging to your desired audience is key. If you are an entrepreneur, author, speaker, subject matter expert, influencer, or business leader, the PR University might be right for you. Visit the to learn more and enter the code WTF25 to get 25% off. So
1: there's still so many tenants in there and I wear my PR hat some days (laughs) whenever I can. But it really was, it was the beginnings of that and it led me to New York. I remember I did an internship at Fleisman when I was in college and I actually won a scholarship to get my master's in sports administration. And I thought I was going to do sports. I worked at the Indiana Pacers and I was going to, go down that path. And then I got this call from Fleischman and they said, we have an assistant account executive job open for you. You have to be in New York within two weeks. And I was like, cool, not getting my master's here, moving to New York. And it was just such a phenomenal experience for me. And funny enough, one of my first clients was Mary Kay. And so while I was working with MTV for the VMAs and Singular Wireless and Motorola and all these big companies, I started really at Mary Kay. And even growing up, my mom had this big career, big job, and she sold Mary Kay for fun and she sold Jaffa, and I was always her model. So there's always this kind of interesting backstory to just like the passion of beauty
0: and how it makes you feel that kind of led me into this career. I love having conversations with women about beauty because it's always so passion-filled when they talk about their journey in the beauty space. I know you've been using your PR background because you've helped guide, monetize more than 200 influencer-driven brands that have collectively generated more than 100 million in revenue. How did you help these brands to achieve this level of success?
1: So it's interesting because I had the fortune of being at Fledgman, helping build the digital practice group, working with all types of clients, being in the consumer group. And then I was recruited to go to Ralph Lauren and I was the first director of digital media at Ralph Lauren. So here I am, like one of one on a team, but... I helped launch the brand across all of social and I did the first influencer campaigns and I reported into David Lauren, but also the head of corporate communications, head of advertising, head of marketing, the head of e-commerce. And I had to meet with Roger Farah, who was the CFO at the time about how much money we were making on social, which back in 2009, it was a few hundred dollars. But I learned so much going from an agency And being beholden to my clients, but not necessarily sitting internally so that I could hear all the moving parts to going internally to this brand and really understanding, like, what are the levers that you have to pull whenever you're in-house and you're trying to get approval on things? You're trying to report to senior leadership. So it was really the combination of those things where I was like, what is the most important thing when building a brand? And I learned so much at Ralph in terms of understanding your customer. Not who you think your customer is, but the true understanding of who is the customer who's shopping you. How do you keep them engaged and how do you gain market share? And so, with that, the first company that I co founded in 2010 was Digital Brand Architects. And we at the time were literally one of the first agencies to manage bloggers because this was pre Pinterest, Mm -hmm. pre YouTube, pre all those things. And I would say to the bloggers that we were managing, like, what do you really want to do, right? You're not going to take pictures for your, of yourself for the rest of your life. What do you want to build? Do you want to be on TV? Do you want a book? Do you want this? Do you want a clothing line? And I would always be nuanced in all the different clients that I worked with at Sleishman. And then sitting by someone like a David Lauren who came up with merchantainment and really being like, you can create all these different things, but we have to understand what your North Star is. And how you pivot and how you evolve and transform, especially as so many things are happening and evolving. And so that was really the first stages of it. And then going through that experience, specifically focused on working with people to create different brands, really set the stage for everything that I am doing now and would later do in terms of brain trust.
0: So that's a good segue into brain trust. Tell us about
1: it. First company, Digital Brand Architects. We grew the company. It was my first experience when we talk about funding, raising money. When we started the company, I was still working full time at Ralph, and my co-founder had her own beauty brands, Purple Lab, that she was selling on HSN. So we had this brilliant idea. We knew we wanted to manage, but we also had these other things that were helping to fuel us. When it got to the point where it was too big and we had to say, "Okay, let's leave our full time jobs. Let's focus on building this company. We didn't have the benefit of having a ton of money raised. We didn't do a seed round. We literally were like hustling up deal by deal in order to fund what we wanted to do. And then as we started looking at expanding, that was really the first time that I raised money and became part of that first 100 crew of Black women to raise more than a million dollars. It was such an interesting time going through that as to where I am now. So that company ended up growing. We raised the money and ended up selling to UTA. And I was sitting in my office really thinking about what have you learned, right? What was important to you? what are you taking away from this experience? And it really was, I love working with smart people, but on the other side of that was people I could trust. And I was too early in terms of really navigating business and corporate to understand the true value of trust and keeping that close to me. And so I'm sitting in my office and I wrote on the whiteboard, brain trust. And I'm like, that's, that sums up what I want to do. And if we can trust each other and really smart people can come together and solve any problem. And so that's what I set out with Brain Trust. We are going to solve problems and I had Halle Berry and Blushington as my first two clients and it was such an interesting duality of talent but not managing or agenting talent but really helping them get involved in social and brand development and then having this really great boutique brand like Blushington. And being able to do so much more than what we could ever do, having Estee Lauder as our client. So fast forward, brain trust, social media, influencer marketing, brand development, event marketing, doing all these great things, all these brands, helping them grow and scale online. And it was really during COVID that I had this interesting epiphany. My own company, 80% of our revenue was tied up in events at that point. All events were gone. We had to quickly pivot. I moved us into partnering with a company overseas and really doubling down on brand development as a way to get out of events and figuring out, let's lay our foundation back in social media. And I started talking to other founders and it was this moment of, I want to be of service. I want to help so many people, but I can't do it on my own. And I don't have all the answers, but I know a lot of really smart people that do. And so it was that it guided me to launch Brain Trust Founder Studio. And we launched that in October of 2021. And I had this notion of leave no founder behind. And so we set it up based up on my pillars of community, mentorship, education, and capital, knowing that as a founder myself, if we can provide those things, then the sky's the limit for what founders can do to start, grow, and accelerate their businesses. And so the studio... Three tiers of membership start, grow, and accelerate, specifically designed for Black founders of BD and wellness companies. And we started to grow. We launched our app. We launched our founder's house to get people off their computers and really into these pop up experiences. And then we had this notion about capital what does human capital look like, social capital, and financial capital? And it was that really gave us the opportunity to say, let's start working on building a venture
0: fund, brain trust fund. So that was quite a trajectory from when you started in your dream of working in PR that you knew you wanted to do when you were six years old, got it done. Then you were an early pioneer in the social space, started your company then you helped other brands grow their revenues on social media. And then you were thinking, what next? How can I do more? How can I help founders? And so you started Brain Trust. I would like for us to go back a little bit and talk about your initial million dollar raise, right? That put you in that, at that time, a really exclusive club of a small percentage of Black women who'd raised a million or more dollars. Now how did you do it what would you attribute would you attribute to your success and what from that have you shared and are you still sharing with the founders who are part of brain trust so it's interesting because
1: i think the biggest thing that i learned in that experience was relationships and i've talked to founders now and i'll say oh you should talked to this one and they're like, oh, I'm not raising yet. I'm not raising yet. And I was like, you need to start now. It's about relationships. And people don't want to feel like you're coming to them in the final hour where they need to close on a Friday where they need to close in two weeks or you can't make payroll. That's not how you want to go into a relationship or a feeling that you want to give an investor who believes in your business, because it does cause a pause to be like, oh, my goodness. And that was one of the greatest experiences because we had gone so far. And then we knew that in order to get to the next level, we needed to raise. And I didn't know, I didn't come from that type of a background. Like having an MBA and being a comms major doesn't necessarily prepare you for that. And it was relationships because the first company that wanted to invest in us, like we were so thrilled and we were like, this is it, this is it. But We also were at this place where we knew we needed to raise more than a million dollars to do what we were doing. And we know that we needed more than that. And we needed to figure out how to do it. And at that point, there were three Mm co-founders. And so we were meeting with different people. And it was really through the relationships that we were able to find the right person. And it was literally like someone's friend's sister's dad saw as with somebody else you know what i mean how that like circle works and you have all the different degrees of separation and, and trying to are-
0: map different things someone's <laughs> friend is kind of okay just tell everybody <laughs> yes. what you're trying to work on and you never know who they'll know and say hey i know this person who you should talk to and even if you don't think you're ready talk to that person anyway to start building the relationship so that they know who you are Because they say the best time to raise funds is when you don't need it or when you don't think you do. Not when you're, you've exhausted your runway and you're about to go broke. That's not when you start. Exactly.
1: When you're like, wait a second, I can't do it. And I will say this, it is part of it and what I've learned now is the research to know how and where to spend your time. And be careful how much you share. Because you can talk about it and you can acknowledge it. And I very much am a believer in faith, the manifestation that you have to put it out there. But I've also learned that getting your information blasted to a lot of people is also not as protective of you and what you're doing as it could be, because it can come back to hurt you. And I think that it's this really interesting balance of what type of money do I want to raise? Like for brain trust, we haven't raised money. We've been bought and I bought us back and we've done all these different things, but it was a different path than what we went down with DBA. And then I think about Brain Trust, Brain Trust, the agency, Brain Trust Founder Studio, and their different business models. Brain Trust Founder Studio is funded by corporate partners and sponsors who underwrite our programming and our cohorts and our events and the work that we're doing with our founders. And then, of course, the venture fund is it's traditional venture fund. We're getting investors to invest in our fund. And so I always think about understanding and doing the research on what is the right capital for your business. Based upon what you want your outcomes to be and how you want to be involved. And now, you know, the beauty of the internet is that we can find different pitch competitions. We can look for grants. We can look at debt finance differently. We can understand our options. We can use different services that are specifically focused on financing our marketing or financing our POs. And it doesn't have to be this one glamorized version of getting venture funding and raising all this money for your business. And I learned that in between the delta of raising that, starting another company, figuring out funding, and then the different layers of which I sit in terms of being a funder. But then I'm also seeking funds. So it's a really interesting place to be. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting place because then you are sharing the experience of the founders, right? When you are raising funds because you're a founder, (laughs) pitching to someone else to invest in your fund. So having that dual experience. Now, you also have a podcast called Business of the Beat Podcast why did you start it? Who should tune in? And what can they expect to learn when they listen?
1: Oh my God! I have to say, and your podcast is amazing. When I was first approached to do the podcast, I was like, I can't do a podcast. Yes, I'm a speaker and I speak on stages all the time. And I love that. And I was like, I don't think I can do a podcast. And I love, love, love the podcast. And the podcast has been such a foundation of me building the studio because business of the beat is really a play on beat your face, right? And so you have a beat face, you look good, you're like ready. And I approach it from the business side, right? And so for me, I'm looking at having guests, BIPOC guests who can really speak to building, growing, scaling, and exiting their businesses. And so I'm talking to not just founders, but what I like to call entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, influencers and media, really about what is the business of beauty. And because I focus on the BIPOC space and really black and brown, it's a different nuance. Because even when you look at the research, we know the numbers in terms of funding into black businesses, but there's also from a senior perspective, when you look at the leadership, we're less than 22%. And it's what's happening whenever we also look at the consumers who are buying beauty products and we know the textured hair space. like we, we see the numbers and we know that we're spending nine times more than the average beauty customer who doesn't look like us on beauty products. And so the podcast has been this phenomenal way for me to talk in real life, real time with people who are really navigating this space so that we can diversify the spaces that we see building these beauty businesses. And we're now in season three. We have over 115 episodes. And the beauty of what's come out of my podcast is that I have a book coming out now in February of 2024 called The Beauty of Success, Start, Grow, and Accelerate Your Brand. And it's based upon the stories from the Business of the Beat podcast. And so, it's really important for me that my ecosystem is all interconnected. Start, grow, and accelerate are the tiers of Brain Trust Founder Studio. Success is what we all strive for whenever we're building our businesses. And I've always believed, which is how I got into this, that it's not just about me and my story. And so, being able to take these episodes from the podcast and weave them into this really fun story about. Building and growing a brand and what you can learn, because I wouldn't be able to do it without a brain trust of other voices and, and people. And so the podcast has given me the foundation, the stories to support so many Black founders. Now, Brain Trust Founders Studio is the largest membership based platform for Black Beauty and Wellness founders. The podcast has given me the opportunity to meet so many new people and beauty and is really the catalyst for this next chapter of being a published author. So it is. Amazing, and it's available on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: All right, folks, make sure you check out the business of the beat. And for those of you who didn't know that the beat was about being your face, now you do. So go check that out. What advice do you have for BIPOC founders who are in the beauty space about starting and scaling a business? So
1: one of the reasons that I love founders, and I'm a founder first, investor, business owner, everything, because we all have a story, right? And so we can talk about how many brands are similar, how many ingredients are similar. But what I love about founders, in particular, Black founders in beauty, is just the stories of which we've had to create products because products for us didn't exist right? And we, were, we weren't we were top of mind. We weren't in some cases on anybody's mind. And even when you think about it, in the last year, like in France, the testing, you couldn't even test on our skin colors because it was deemed not a worthy sample for you to create a product. So I get so bullish about the fact that we have amazing founders who are creating products based upon their needs, but that actually also serve the future majority of what consumers look like. And so we've been pigeonholed as you're a Black founder, so your brand has to only be for Black people. We don't say that to anybody else. But the beauty is that as Black founders with specific needs, we can create products that are designed for the needs of Black people. And we can do so much more. And so when I'm talking to founders about, should I start this? It is, what is your why? How are you connected to it? What does the marketplace look like? And how will you create something that's really unique? And what's your founder story? The best things are built when founders had a need and they were trying to solve it. And then they figured out how to expand it beyond them and create something really special. And so it is, it's doing the homework. It's looking at the research and it's figuring out how you will find your place in the market Based upon the uniqueness of who you are and how you approach it. And then of course on the other side, you gotta have products that work and that work. But it's those fundamental steps to even get you to that place of differentiation,
0: in particular in the beauty industry. No, oh, and so many entrepreneurs that I've spoken to who are beauty entrepreneurs, their product literally started with a need, a personal need, right? I had this skin condition, or I couldn't find the right products for my hair. So it's just all of those things that drive them to create a solution, which shows that there was a big gap in the market and still is. Right. And even though beauty is such a big multi-billion dollar industry, and there are so many products, so many brands, so many companies, and people be like, the beauty market is so crowded already. Why would you want to get started? What would be your counter to those types of statements?
1: I think that it's the same thing. There's multiple versions of cars and toothbrushes and toothpaste and cleaning supplies. And I think it goes back to how are you really creating something that is unique and that's going to solve a problem. And there's more than one way to solve a problem because there's so many different types of problems that we need to solve in beauty. And I just believe that beauty It's the only one industry that every single person has to consume, right? And we look at the beauty and wellness space and it's true. It goes into our bodies. It comes into our homes. It's connected to every single thing that we do. And so whenever you can look at your product and say, why is this product different? What's that magical ingredient that's going to solve that someone doesn't know about? I was talking to a founder, Cadalis, and she has taken, she's from Martinique, and she's taken bananas, white, red, green, and she synthesized the ingredients of
0: bananas that actually are really good for your skin. And bananas. Are you talking about Cataly? Yes. Shirley was on the podcast. Yeah. oh, I love Cataly's product. It is amazing. Amazing. And not only is she a beauty entrepreneur, she's a whole scientist. Okay, I'm all excited. I'm like, is this B to B? I'm like, what are you? And that's that's the beauty
1: of it. She took something that she knew that growing up, merged it with like her background, like and that's where it gets really exciting. And that's why I say there's always room in beauty, because we everybody has to consume a certain part of the industry. And there's different needs that we're solving for in the same way we think about clean now that we didn't think about years before. I was reading, I had given my husband this new package product to try. And I was like, let me read what's on what you're pinning on your face from this like big conglomerate that says, don't swallow. And if you do call poison control, I'm like, but you put it on your face. And it's like these things that we didn't, think about before that we can now think about now. And so as we evolve as humans and as we have access to more things, products are going to evolve. So there's always going to be room for something new and innovative and research-based that's going to solve a different
0: need in a new way. Kendra, before we wrap up, I spy with my little eye a box behind you that says (laughs) Black Beauty Bazaar. What is that?
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. This is our Black Beauty Bazaar box that we do at Brain Trust Founders Studio. And we have so many founders who have amazing products. And so we were trying to help them with new forms of marketing. And so there's brands who have been very fortunate to be on our retail shelves. And there's brands who aspire to. And so we like to mix those brands with new brands and create these boxes for influencers, for events. We do our Founders House activation, which is our pop-up content meets commerce experience. We kicked it off last year during Essence Fest. We just got back from South by Southwest. We're going back to New Orleans. We'll be in Vegas. We'll be at Martha's Vineyard. We'll be at New York Fashion Week in LA. And we do this Black Beauty Bazaar. And it's an opportunity for our founders to get their products out there in the world. We invite people to come and step and shop. And then we do a lot of live streaming so that not only can you shop right then and there, but through our partners at Talk Shop Live,
0: you can also
1: live stream and live shop. So thank you for asking. It's a give back to the community.
0: No, that's wonderful. I'm glad I asked. It was just right there staring back at me, so I had to bring it into the conversation. Kendra, before we wrap up, please tell the listeners how we can learn more about what you're working on, about brain trust. And I think we already know where to find the podcast, but what else should listeners know about what you're working on, in particular, the brain trust and what you're trying to do with that, especially if the listener is a beauty entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely, so we would love for you to join us. You can download our app on the Apple Store or Google store Brain Trust Founders. You can go to our website Studio.com. Yes, the full name. You can also go to our LinkedIn Brain Trust Founders Studio, and if you're in need of marketing services, you can go to the brainintrust.com or you can also find us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Brain Trust LA. And I am Kendra Bracken-Ferguson.com. And you can get to everything from there as well.
0: Kendra, thank you so much. I know you're a busy person. I follow your Instagram. You're always here, there, everywhere, doing all the things and looking fabulous while doing it. Thank you so much for stopping by the WTF podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. Dearest gentle listeners, thank you for rocking with me this season. This is the final episode from me for this season and for the rest of the year. Yes, I am taking a break, but fret not, I'll be back next year with all new episodes But in the meantime, you can go back and listen to the back catalog of episodes if you missed me. And if you want to keep learning, the next episode that will be aired will be a pod swap with another podcast. So that's one of the new things I'll be doing, cross-pollinating Other podcasts for you so you can be introduced to new podcasters. So make sure that you listen to the episode that comes after this one to get introduced to when magic happens. And if you like that, let me know when I get back. While I'm away, there are a few things that I would like for you to do. If you are not already subscribed to my emails, please visit the podcast website at Where's the Funding W H E R E S T H E dash Funding dot on podium dot co the link is in the show notes don't worry and sign up to get my emails I will be releasing a new ebook that I think you might want to check out the ebook is a insights and resource guide hold not just from the Words of Funding podcast, but also from the Shades and Layers podcast. The host of Shades and Layers, Luana Skasana, and I will be doing some collaborating in the future. And we thought we would start off by joining forces to present this ebook to you. If you are subscribed to receive my emails, you will get informed when the ebook drops. So Make sure that you do that, okay? I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kendra and that you continue to enjoy episodes that you have not yet listened to. So while I'm on hiatus, just make sure you go back and scroll the back catalogs and listen to episodes that you might have missed. Thank you so much for rocking with me. I hope you enjoyed this season. And I look forward to reconnecting with all of you when the podcast returns in 2024. Don't miss me too much while I'm gone. I'll be back. Take care. Bye.